This is Fire Rescue One Side Alpha Podcast, putting fire service leaders in front of hot topics facing firefighters today. Now here's the executive editor of FireRescueOne.com and FireChief.com, Chief Mark Bashore. The fire service is struggling to find employees and volunteers at a pace I dare say is unparalleled in modern times. Our guest today will fill us in on how one department is tackling at least one of the big impediments to finding people. But first, a word from our sponsor. Today's episode of the Side Alpha Podcast is brought to you by Lexapol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support, and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit Lexapol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Recently, in an article that we published in Fire Rescue One, in fact, it was November 5th, we talked about the Los Angeles Fire Department's um, the, the staffing issues there and specifically about firefighters commuting long distances. And I want to read one particular uh, passage for you from that article. And what it says is a report created by the Board of Fire Commissioners, which is part of the department, shows that 115 firefighters with the department live out of state, some traveling to work from Texas, Utah, Tennessee, Idaho, Florida, and Alaska. Further, only 499 of the greater LAFD workforce, which is about 15% of the workforce, actually lives within the city limits. Not that I'm a proponent for making people live within the city limits, but there's some pretty stark statistics. Our guest today is Chief Rob Wiesbaum from the Crested Butte, Colorado Fire Protection District. Chief Wiesbaum began his career in EMS in 2000 and in the fire service in 2004. He has worked in private systems for fire departments and in air medical as a critical care flight paramedic. He joined the Crested Butte Fire Protection District in 2013. Chief, welcome to the Side Alpha podcast. Thank you so much, Chief. Appreciate having me on, and I'm excited to be able to share what we're doing in our community um, for similar um, departments out there that might be struggling uh, with their um, struggles with housing. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not an easy nut to crack for sure. But before we get into that, I want to ask you about your title. I was reading up on uh, before we just uh, started, and I see that your actual title is the EMS and Fire Chief of Crested Butte. And we talked a little bit uh, beforehand, but can you talk about that for a minute? Because that is a little bit against the mainstream. Absolutely. So. One of the things we recognize as a fire district is what are the types of calls that we're running most routinely? And this certainly doesn't want to harp on the tradition of the fire service, but as we continue to grow and expand, um, we are really realizing that a majority of our call volume is EMS. And in an effort to really bring forth the recognition of what typically was a fire-based EMS service, is you know departments that run 80 percent ems it seemed appropriate to recognize that and put that in the forefront 
uh, of my title. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I've seen one or two other places around the country like it, and I'm sure there's more, uh, but it, that it is, uh, has been a flashpoint for a lot of folks. So, um, when you came in, I, I take it that, uh, you came in at a time where you were pretty much bringing all this together, right? So it was the first opportunity to, to create that title and create that position. Absolutely. So as we were creating our structure and transitioning from a volunteer to combination department, we had the opportunity of kind of moving away from the traditional styles of titles and bringing forth this opportunity to, to really recognize and, and, and give some you know, recognition to the EMS field as well. Um, fully understanding, you know, where, where you are, fire service. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're a fire service that runs 80% EMS, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So uh, before we dive into the topic, um, uh, since we've already strayed once, let's just stray again. If you can tell us a little bit about Crested Butte uh, Fire Department, the response area, and maybe the call volumes, just to kind of um, give give folks an understanding for what the department's about and, and what your area's like. Absolutely. So Crested Butte is located on the western slope of Colorado. Uh, I always say as the crow flies, it's only 12 miles south of Aspen and everybody can relate to where Aspen is. Mm -hmm. um, however, it takes about four hours to go around the passes to make it there. Um, mm -hmm. We are part of Gunnison County. We are on the upper Gunnison River Basin and our district was formed in 1973. We are 220 square miles and we have multiple municipalities from um, Crested Butte South, which is our largest residential area, the town of Crested Butte, Mount Crested Butte, and some outlining drainages that holds um, some neighborhoods. Uh, one of the big things about our community is we are a world-renowned ski resort town. Um, we're highly focused on tourism, uh, and bringing in a lot of visitors to our community for year-round recreation from skiing in the wintertime and snowmobiling to hiking, biking, fishing in the summertime. Yeah. Um, we run about 750 to 800 calls a year, so not a, a big call volume, but in the last 10 years, we've seen a 70% increase in our call volume, and we're averaging about 7% increase every year. Yeah. That's a pretty significant in a short period of time. So how many stations uh, covering that uh, 200 plus square miles? Yep. Currently, we operate four stations and we have a very unique situation here where although we have four stations, we mainly operate of our main station in the town of Crested Butte. And during the nighttime, my crews will actually split into our station up in Mount Crested Butte, which is three miles away. And then our Crested Butte South Station, which is seven miles away. Um, and speaking to the, to the unique fluidity and dynamic of how we run our system, we were not anticipating ever to actually house firefighters, EMTs uh, in stations. So we actually had to build extra rooms into our existing stations. Mm -hmm. So the... Um the topic that we're going to talk about is housing and, and how you guys have tackled it. And it's pretty unique from what I've been able to read. And, you know, I'm used to a situation in combination departments where uh, there are communities, robust enough communities around that uh, can provide some volunteers that live in the area and can respond in a reasonable time in their POV to, uh, to a station. 
uh, it doesn't sound like you have that uh, type of community around you where you're able to have volunteers, first of all, that have the time and the ability to respond in a short period of time. But as you, you indicated in the beginning, you began to evolve from a all-volunteer to a combination department. As you did that, I recognize you guys had the struggles hiring, just like we're all having right now. Uh, and in that area with so few people in a relatively low call volume, how do you attract them? I mean, what is it? You know, and any chief would struggle with this. Uh, no matter what. But pretty uniquely, it looks like you guys have found a pretty significant way to uh, attract, so recruit, and then retain firefighters. And that's with this housing model. So let's let's just dive right into that and talk about the, uh, how that came to pass and exactly what it is. And is it for both paid and volunteer or just for the paid folks? What, you know, what, uh, what are we talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So this is no news to anybody that uh, the core of the volunteerism has been on a steady decline for for numerous years, right? So um, for the model that used to work for us a decade ago, uh, with the evolution of our town and the growth that we're seeing, that model kind of disappeared. And we were very fortunate enough to have um, everybody that was able to be local, live local, and respond and one of the big transitions that happened was you had we had a very major ski company Vail Resorts purchase our mountain and that really paved the way for the the spike and the increase and and I would say the difficulties that were faced with within our community so, um, so what, once, do you, what, what, what do you mean they purchased your mountain yeah, so lo uh, previously, Mount Crested Butte, our ski resort, was owned locally by a family. Okay. And back in 2018, there was word that Vail was interested in purchasing it from this family. Yeah. Um, and that came to fruition. So, okay. Um, and, and that made a lot of people nervous because a lot of times what's associated with Vail is high cost of living, increase in property values, increase tourism numbers. Uh, a, a lot. And that was going to potentially be very problematic for us. So we started thinking about, as we recognize the need for more full-time employees, what can we do to hopefully provide housing um, with the understanding that there's limited space up here, there's just not the opportunity to build, and construction costs are rising, and said, we don't have a big market for rental units. We don't have a lot of high density housing spaces within our community as well. So we had to identify what can we do to help this because the the realism of trying to get people here was difficult. And, you know, and the having the need to commute long distances is problematic over a long period of time. We've definitely had employees that have commuted several hours to work, but that only lasts so long before it just becomes a little too tiresome um, for an employee. And, and that leads us to not having them employed anymore um, and retaining them. So, yeah. Yeah. So they purchased the mountain and then mm -hmm. how did the housing, you know, how did, talk me through that. I, I can't even fathom how you, um, 
came up with the idea and then purchased or built what you had to build? How did that get financed? Where, you know, where'd the money come from? Yeah. Help me there. For sure. So when Vale purchased our mountain, um, the first year was actually uh, didn't see a, a huge growth in our economy um, to the point of a uh, major impact. But we, we could foresee the future and what was going to happen. So at that time within our budget, we had good reserves and we started speaking about um, potentially either purchasing units if there were any available or the possibility of building our own properties. So we've always had this uh, agreement with the municipality where there'd be a plot of land and it kind of moved around our district over the last 20 years uh, in preparation that we might build and, and utilize that space. And we just had, hadn't had the opportunity or need to do so at the time. And so we finally got to this point where we said, hey, we have this piece of land Let's go ahead and start evaluating, seeing what we can do as far as building our own property and providing some housing for our employees. So we had a healthy reserve. We made the, the decision to kind of delay purchasing of new equipment, big capital purchase items, fire engines, ladder trucks. Um, because of our low call volume and where we're located, our trucks are very, very healthy and in good shape. And that afforded us the opportunity to one, put down, you know, roughly 50% down cash on wow. building a triplex and then do a lease purchase on the remaining um, of it. So you, you did that right there on fire department property? So no, this, the, the property is actually in the town of Crested Butte. And okay. uh, it, it was just a small plot of land that just kind of rotated around um, through the fire district uh, through an agreement with the town of Crested Butte. And um, it's it's probably less than a quarter of a mile from us. So, hmm. and we did a three bedroom, two bedroom, and one bedroom. And you said triplex. So is that literally three units or? Three units. More? Okay. Yep. And is that three. what you still have today or you've expanded beyond that? Uh, so we, in addition to that, we have now also purchased uh, an additional two bedroom, two bath unit that was built as part of an affordable housing project put on by the town of Crested Butte. They did have an available unit, so we purchased that one. And then we also uh, recently engaged in a master lease with another property down in CD South, Crested Butte South, which is uh, seven miles on that Station 3 district. So we're currently at five units. Uh, we recently had a bond measure passed, thanks to our voters, and we are building a brand new headquarters on a campus style um, just north of town. And part of that, we will also be building four additional housing units on our campus. Um, wow. Ultimately, our goal is to have roughly 12 affordable housing un units owned by us by 2030. Wow, that's impressive. So uh, I understand at first, uh, there was a little bit of a struggle to actually fill the units, uh, but that that struggle quickly went away. So, you know, I'm, I'm a firefighter thinking, you know, huh, this, uh, this is starting to sound pretty good. Uh, okay, I'll take one. Is that how it works? Or, you know, how did you, how did you do that? Yeah, so what we do is we create a list of interested people that are looking to rent. And we take a couple things into factor from um, years, years in service with our department, whether they're full-time, part-time, or volunteer and we assign a score to them. 
and it becomes uh, a, a waiting list essentially. So when, when we did initially buy this triplex in the two bedroom is you are correct. We had some difficulties filling those units because at the time everybody had uh, a place and what we saw happen with the zoom boom and COVID is the opportunity for re remote work really drove people from the cities to our community and all of the the, the long-term rentals that were available at the time were now being reclaimed by the owners for them to come back to town and it was displacing a lot of people including some members from ours the town uh, and the workforce in general for our entire community so so are they are they rented out exclusively to your members they are so currently they are rented out exclusive exclusively to our members um, with with the exception of one of our two bedrooms they are in a two-year lease uh, that lease will be coming up in August, and we already have multiple people in line to occupy that unit. Yeah, so uh, definitely um, a way to attract people with housing. Now, you're not giving them the housing. I presume there's some kind of a, um, a benefit other than, you know, being connected. There's some kind of a benefit to getting the housing from you as far uh, financially. Or is it market rates that they're paying for these units? Yeah, it's actually below market rates. So okay. um, it, it's it's very affordable. And in comparison, and just for note, so the average house price, and we're talking single family home right now in the town of Crested Butte, is roughly anywhere from 900 to $1.3 million. <laughs> Um, it, yeah, correct. Right. <laughs> and we're talking a, a 2000 square foot house. Yeah. Um, and then we go down to our residential neighborhoods, um, seven miles south of us. I mean, you're still looking at the three quarter million dollar range. So for us, we set our rates below market. A one bedroom runs about 850, a two bedroom runs 1350 and a three bedroom runs 1700. And we we really weighed that on based on what we are paying our employees and what is considered affordable so sure sure all right well let's take just a second here a word from our sponsor here lexapol empowers first responders and public servants to best meet the needs of their residents safely and responsibly serving more than 2 million public safety and government professionals and over 8,000 agencies and municipalities lexapol offers a range of solutions that includes policies, training, behavioral health resources, news and analysis, and grant assistance services for law enforcement, fire, and rescue, EMS, local government, and other agencies dedicated to public safety. To learn more, visit lexipol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L dot com. So we're talking with Chief uh, Rob Wiesbaum from the Crested Butte, Colorado Fire Protection District. Uh, we've been talking about the housing program that they have going on there. And uh, Chief, I just wanted to ask, you know, as uh, as you indicated in the beginning, volunteerism in general in the United, the United States has been on a decline uh, for, for many years for many different reasons. Are there other programs that you have in place there to help attract volunteers? You, we're talking a call time of about 700 a year. Um, you know, you've, you've got to have something else than just the call volume that's attracting folks to the area. So do you have any other volunteer-centric uh, recruitment programs that you can talk about? 
Absolutely. So one of the, the big things that we really focus on that I'm proud of, uh, our, our team has really recognized the importance and need of volunteers. So how do we capitalize on that? And one of the things that we've been working on, um, you know, pretty, pretty dramatically is, is the culture of the fire service and, and, and what we're providing. And one of the things that we had to recognize is, you know, there's a change in culture and a firefighter EMS provider today is vastly different from what it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. And we're really trying to figure out what the good model is. So for us, uh, we want to afford and provide the opportunities for volunteers to get professionally certified and potentially set themselves up for a career, whether it's with our department, which hopefully it would be, or another outside agency. Either way, it benefits um, whatever department. So we work on having a, a really robust training program. In addition to that, we also offer, and this aligns with the housing, is a down payment assistance program. So we mm -hmm. encourage people at some point, if they are able to, to purchase within our district. So we offer a, a certain amount for anything that's in our district, and then it, it decreases as you go to a maximum of 100, mi 100 road miles outside of our district. Yeah. Well, okay. So you mentioned, or we talked about in the beginning, the uh, EMS and fire chief, uh, kind of a, a change from what a lot of folks are used to. Um, on on that same note, I just want to make sure, I mean, you are on an all hazards response agency, correct? You're not just fire and specific EMS. Correct. We are an all hazards agency. And something that I'm uh, really proud of is we're, although we're a small department, we are a all hazards agency that also provides a critical care level of service. Mm -hmm. And for those that don't know, we are at the end of the road. We do not have the availability of numerous agencies to provide mutual aid. We have one agency 30 miles away in Gunnison, Colorado, and they are great partners with Gunnison Paramedics and the Gunnison Volunteer Fire Department. And that's all we have. Any Anybody else is 100 miles away. So um, we had to really recognize that we had to be an all hazards department and really become uh, proficient in all aspects of it. Yeah, so at any given time, how many people do you have on duty? So my minimum staffing at this current time is four, 24-7. Uh, ideally, we're working on towards getting to six minimum staffing with uh, full-time employees. Uh, it ebbs and flows for sure with our part-time and volunteer core. Uh, there are times when I might have four. There are times I might have eight on a day. Yeah. So for folks that are listening and, you know, I've, I've worked in a wide variety of systems from the mountains of West Virginia to uh, the National Capital Region and, and Maryland and then down in Florida. And you're just a, another confirmation that uh, there is no single model, folks, for how these uh, departments are staffed. And when a structure fire comes out, uh, he's got four to six people on duty. And the next mutual aid partner, if I heard you right, Chief, is 30 miles away and the next one's 100 miles away. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, so when folks think about the way uh, they operate and, you know, I've said for years, fires burn the same in my backyard as they do in your backyard. The only difference is 
the amount and the the uh, type of resources that we're all able to bring to bear. That's what differs. Uh, so in this case, he's only able to bring so much to bear and you can only do so much with that. So I applaud you for doing what you can with it. Um, how does EMS wrap into that then? Because I think, you know, one time those were all separate services, right? So how did you wrap yeah. that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Mark, for interrupting. That's yeah, right. for so, um, yeah, so we, we were previously two separate divisions, fire, fire, um, fire division and EMS division. And in recognition of just the lack of uh, crew availability and resources, a lot of times what would happen is if an EMS call came out, and it was uh, a serious call, cardiac arrest, trouble breathing. Um, what happened was EMS would request the fire duty crew to respond or a volunteer crew to respond, and that delayed the response uh, in getting people to a scene. So when I came on board, it was, it was really important to recognize the importance of not delaying this care to our patients. So what I did was I had numerous meetings with our volunteer group and said, hey, this is this is our plan. This is what we're doing. I would like your feedback because the last thing I didn't want to, I, I wanted to do was force people outside of something they didn't want to do. And, you know, sure enough, there are firefighters out there that all they want to do is fight fires. Sure. And there are some people that just want to do EMS. The reality of fire departments these days are, you know, a majority of them are not seeing a lot of structure fires, right? We're seeing that 70, 80% EMS calls. So when I propose this idea of combining two divisions and saying, hey, we really rely on your help, whether it's just, you know, driving a patient down to the ambulance while the paramedics are in the back or helping with CPR, uh, I didn't get a lot of pushback, and actually, it, it's been very beneficial to our community. And people have been um, very thankful, and including the volunteers, in being utilized in that capacity. And something that might have been viewed as I'm not really interested in doing that, um, they're they're getting this 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 warm welcome and sense of community service that they're really proud of. Sure. So it sounds like you've uh, got a system that's evolving and um, will continue to evolve along with the rest of us as as things move on. The, how do you see the residential program uh, that you've established here? How do you see that uh, sustainability of that? Is that something that uh, you're going to have to make huge investments in or is it uh, self-sustaining with the rent that's coming in? Yeah, I think at this point um, it, it is it's because it's fairly new. I think it is self-sustaining though, and there won't be a lot of investments in it, especially when we get to our final number of properties that we're looking for. Uh, you know, we always think about the bubble bursting at some point, some point, and you know, what's the reality of that happening in our community? I don't know. Um, however, more and more millionaires and even some billionaires are making their way out here. So that makes me nervous as a district, understanding that we might not see a decline in property values anytime in the near future. So the earlier we can get ahead of this and really establish and, and create this program and have, you know, adequate housing for our employees, the better off we're going to be. Yeah. And I suppose, um, you know, I have been a landlord in, in my life and I know what it's like struggling with who you, you pick to be your tenants, but I suppose having your employees as tenants gives a little bit of uh, a little bit more assurance to you that they're going to take care of the place, hopefully, 
and that maybe uh, firefighters are pretty ingenious folks that uh, they tend to have two and three jobs that um, some of them probably have the handyman skills that you need to be able to take care of the places. So I'm, I'm guessing you kind of have a built-in handyman with that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, they're thankful for the, the opportunities that we're providing them and the housing and they're respectful of that. So uh, we're, we're very fortunate in that, in that realm. And um, yeah, we're happy to be able to provide that. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting because the, the housing market and I have to give credit a lot to my CEO, Sean Caffrey, um, and, it, and it's a big team effort uh, of really getting this program up and running, uh, up and running, as well as the support of our board of directors. Um, there are similar mountain towns out there that are that are engaged in programs like this. Uh, Aspen Fire District, Eagle County Ambulance District, uh, the Roaring Fork Fire Protection District. Um, they all have recognized, you know, they're all ski area towns that this is something they, they need to do. And they have been doing it. And um, those departments as well have, uh, you know, a, a healthy stock of affordable housing for their members. So it, it's starting to spread for sure um, throughout similar communities. And um, hopefully it continues to do so. No, absolutely. And I, I mean, I recall programs similar to this in the District of Columbia, Washington, D.C., where apartment complexes would uh, rent um, units, small units to public safety employees at a reduced rate, and they created these public safety enclaves. But over time, that, um, I would say, fell apart uh, as those departments expanded. But we're also talking about departments that are employing thousands of employees, and right. uh, you know, being able to find that kind of housing is is difficult now in a in a place like that but i wish you luck as you continue this program if there are other departments that are looking for advice on how to set something up similar uh, how can they get a hold of you and is there a website we can give them to uh, to visit for uh, for what you guys are doing absolutely so they can visit our website which is www.cbfpd.org which is crested butte fire protection district.org uh, my contact information is right under there, under team. Feel free to reach out to us. Happy to share any and all the information that we've had. And, um, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll put a link to that up there in our uh, show notes so that folks have an opportunity to look at that. I appreciate the uh, the time you've taken with us. Do you have anything else to add today, Chief? Uh, no. Thank you for your time. I hope that um, other alike communities can can recognize the, the ability and opportunities to get a little creative and knowing that there are op ways and um, unique situations that can really help guide a fire service into attracting, you know, additional employees, volunteers, um, you know, for the sake of our community. So I appreciate everybody's time. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, uh, you know, you'd be commended for trying to find something out outside the box. And I recognize there's other departments out there doing uh, similar things, but we're all struggling to find and keep employees, and this is certainly an avenue that uh, departments, if they haven't considered it, uh, maybe should reach out to you and, and consider implementing themselves. We've been talking with uh, Chief uh, Rob Wiesbaum from the Crested Butte, Colorado Fire Protection District um, about the affordable housing program that they've begun for their uh, membership and volunteers. Uh, the important note in the beginning that we talked about is that uh, 
Uh, Chief Wiesbaum is the EMS and fire chief and that it was purposely done in recognition of the 80% call volume, at least 80% call volume that uh, EMS runs even there on the mountainside. Chief, I appreciate your time today. That's all we have time for. I appreciate our listeners hanging in there with us. Uh, We have been talking with Chief Rob Wiesbaum from the Crested Butte, Colorado Fire Protection District. This is Mark Bayshore, Executive Editor for Fire Rescue One and FireChief.com. Try to have a great day on purpose. Keep safe, stay smart, and take care.